0: The life story of Job is one of the oldest in all of the Word of God. comes to us from the pages of antiquity. We know very little about him, actually, except that he is a literal man. He was a literal historical figure. He's referenced in two other places in the Bible, in the book of Ezekiel, and in the portion we read in the book of James. And he's such an old story. And that's why it's so important that we get to know more about Job. Uh, He's dated prior uh, to uh, Abraham, or at least a contemporary of Abraham. Now, if you look at the book of Job from chapter 1 to chapter 42, there's an overarching theme. And the overarching theme of the book of Job is suffering. It's not the suffering of the wicked. It's the suffering of the righteous. Because the righteous do suffer. Job was a man who suffered greatly, and I like his earthy human response to suffering. As I read through this book, we read about him that physically and mentally and emotionally and spiritually and materially, he suffered greatly, and though all those sufferings brought him to nearly his end. and To a point of exhaustion. The story doesn't begin in chapter twenty-three. Of course, it starts in chapter one. And in chapter one, we're introduced to this lovely little cameo, a sketch that we have of Job, and it gives to us a wonderful description of him. He was perfect. Didn't mean he was sinless. But that word means he was simply a man of uprightness. He was a man of integrity. He was sincere. He was genuine. It tells us in those opening five verses that he feared God. He eschewed evil. He positively turned away from evil. He didn't run after it. He didn't dally with it. Or he he, he positively ran from it. He was a devoted family man. He was devoted to his wife. He was devoted to his children. And we read also that he was a man of great substance and of great prominence. if you 'd looked at Job in the, his own setting here in chapter one, verse one to five, you would say Job was a man who had everything he lacked nothing. He was a man who was blessed beyond measure. But chapter one then verse six to chapter two, verse ten takes us behind the scenes because there are things going on, brethren and sisters in the spirit world that are unseen. To your eye and to my eye. And in those heavenly places there's great battles being fought. Even as we meet in this meeting house today. Verse 8 to 10 of chapter 1. We see that God challenges Satan. That's interesting. God challenges Satan. And he lifts up Job. Have you considered my servant Job? And thereafter we see Job under the assault of Satan. Right to the end of chapter 2. And just in that little short span of time. We read that he lost his flocks. All his substance. All his possessions. He lost his servants. He lost his children and their family. All in the space of the remainder of that little portion of God's word. Chapter 2. As we come into chapter 2. We read about Job that. He lost that which was most precious to him. He lost his health. He lost even his standing in society. Men who he thought were his friends and men who he thought would support him and uphold him were actually the men, some of the men who came and derided him. And they tried to make out that Job wasn't the man that he really was or, or that he portrayed himself to be. He was a broken man, he was bowed right down to the ground. There's nothing to suggest in this book. And chapter 23 is approximately halfway through the book. There's nothing to suggest here that Job knew what was going on in the background. He didn't know that secret battle that was being played out in the heavenly places. Or nor did any of his comforters, else they might have framed their words in a more fitting manner. Indeed, their explanations of his sufferings only added to his sorrows. It's an awful thing when people come to actually comfort you, they, they add to your discomfort. Don't be like that. They tried to show Job that it was because of his own personal sin that he had been brought into such circumstances. The book of Job doesn't give us any simplistic answers to the great great mystery of why do Christians suffer? Why do Christians suffer? But it does show to us that as we go through testing times, we are to trust in God. That's the lesson. Job seems to have got that halfway through the book. He articulates this text, Job 23 and 10. It articulates in a wonderful way his trust of God in, in testing, trying times. Now his, faith, his his faith wavered. The tide was out, the tide was in. But his faith was always there. And I think it's the key to understanding his perseverance. I have asked myself the question as I've read through this book again. How did he keep going? His own wife urged him to curse God and die. But he kept pressing on. He kept holding on. And the only explanation is because he kept trusting God in the testing times. He didn't understand why but he trusted I think there's a lesson for us all there's a lot of things going on in our lives and we can't see the cause of them And we don't have an explanation for them. But we're called to exercise faith in them. We sometimes sing faith in the night as well as the day. But sometimes we demand the day even in the middle of the night. I I want to stop with you. This text has been a great challenge to my own soul. Job 23 and verse 10 over the last few months. What is it to trust God in trying, testing times? If you haven't arrived at that place yet, let me tell you, it's up ahead. You'll come to it. And if you're there today, let's look at Job again and take encouragement from the faith that he displayed in troubled times. Firstly, let's look at the cry of the trusting heart. The cry of the trusting heart. Job 23 records really his reply to his friend Eliaphaz. In chapter 22 you can take time because the two chapters go together. To read some of the unjust accusations which were made concerning Job. And Eliaphaz seemingly just made up a list of seemingly sins. That he felt Job must be guilty of because he was so downtrodden. He charged him with wickedness. He charged him with iniquity which was infinite and he gave some examples of withholding clothing from the naked of not giving water to the thirsty nor bread to the hungry but it was all lies it was all just a misrepresentation of the man Job there is not one iota of truth to it But he just assumed, well he must be doing this because he's in such poor circumstances. And sometimes as Christians we we fall into that trap. What have I done wrong that I'm facing such circumstances? But notwithstanding the unjust charges, Liphaz at least did give some good advice. And in chapter 22, 21 we read that great text. Acquaint now thyself with him and be at peace. And Job's reply at the start of chapter 23 is his answer to Eliphaz in chapter 22. And Job desires to be acquainted with God. Verse 1 to 4, we read of his desire. He really did want to be acquainted with God. He said in verse 3, Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. It wasn't that Job didn't want to be acquainted with God. It was the very cry of his heart. I want to be with him. He wanted, as we sang Newton's lovely hymn, to come before the mercy seat. And there he would order his cause and there he would fill his mouth with arguments. These words in, in Job, what, Job 23 and 4, they're, they're pretty bold. They're even pretty brash. But I believe they were the cry of a believing heart. Job believed if he could just speak with God, the tide would turn in his life. And he was right. Because when eventually Job was before the Lord in the latter chapters of this book, you can read there in chapter 42, verse 1 to 6, all his arguments left him. He was silenced. He didn't interrogate the Almighty and ask him why, why, why. He was just silenced. He had nothing further to say other than to confess his sin and to submit his life to the sovereign will of God. But at that moment of which we speak in chapter 23, he felt isolated. He felt deserted. There's no wonder. His family had been taken from him. Everything that he'd known in the world he had lost. His friend's advice was sound. Acquaint yourself with him and be at peace. And Job cried out, if only I could find him, I would. And that tells me that his way was dark. He couldn't see God in his circumstances. And he couldn't see why God had led him into such circumstances. Our forefathers spoke of such an experience and they likened it unto spiritual desertion. The feeling that God has left the believer that the child of God no longer enjoys that conscious experiential presence of the Lord in their lives. And that's a spiritual experience which only the true child of God can ever know. Only the child of God can ever know truly the presence of God with them in their lives. I know what a loss that is when it's no longer there. God sometimes in his sovereign purposes withdraws his conscious presence from the child of God. And how profound is that loss? Psalm 88 verse 14. Because some Christians would dispute this very truth. Psalm 88 verse 14. The psalmist said, Lord... Why castest thou off my soul? Why hidest thou thy face from me? (coughs) There are times in our lives when God seems far away. Look at Job. Verse 8. He said, I go forward, but he's not there. And backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand, where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand that I cannot see him it seemed as if no matter what direction Job was looking God was hiding but the cry of his heart was still to meet with God and can I encourage you today no matter where you are in in your experience and maybe you're just where Job (coughs) found himself You take encouragement from the psalm that we sang. We love that metrical version of it. Lord, from the depths to thee I cry. My voice, Lord, do thy hear. From the depths. From the depths to the heights. God will bring us when we seek his face. And even though you might be in the depths today and you can't see God, you can't see him You can't understand where you are and why you are where you are. If you will but seek him, the tide will start to turn. Job didn't see it in chapter 23, but chapter 23 is the turning point in the book of Job. Only a sovereign God has the answers to the mysteries of suffering. We're silent before the Almighty. We can't see what's going on in those heavenly places. God doesn't have to give us a reason for why we suffer. But submitted to his will, resigned to his will, Job no longer asked for an explanation. He just accepted the sovereign will of God. John Calvin was a man who knew what suffering was. Calvin didn't write a a commentary on the book of Job, but he preached a whole series, nearly 150 sermons on the book of Job. He was a man who knew physical pain. If you read through Calvin's life story and the discomfort that he, he experienced, it was horrendous, really. The pain that the man suffered, yet he preached every day. He was a man under persecution. He was a man who would die young because of his labors. But he said the great lesson of the book of Job was submission to the sovereign will of God. Wherever you are in the journey, you learn like Job. Learn like those of bygone generations. The best response is to submit into your your life into the hands of a loving God the cry of the trusting heart secondly the consolation of the trusting heart Job reasoned within himself if I cannot find God and he couldn't he couldn't see him back front sideways he couldn't see him he took consolation in knowing God will find me isn't that wonderful to know and he said he knoweth the way that I take Job found consolation in this great biblical truth that God knew where he was and God knew the circumstances that he was in and that's what made the difference in Job 23 and that's what turned the tide in Job 23 and I believe in the rest of the book chapter 23 is the the pivot point of the book Sometimes we sing that children's hymn here and on alone. God is always near me. It always reminds me of my own Sunday school days. God is always near me in the darkest night. He can see me just the same as by midday light. You might be in the darkest night of your experience. It might be the darkest patch of the journey for you. But I just want to reassure you, God sees where you are. We're brought face to face here with some tremendous truths about the Lord. We're, we're brought face to face here with the omniscience and the omnipotence of God. Omniscience, of course, it means that God is all, he is all knowledge, omni, to have all science, to have all knowledge. And it's an attribute that we can only apply to Almighty God. God, who is infinite and eternal, is always aware of all things at all times. Past, present and future, they're always in front of him. He knows them. He sees them just one at the same time. And nothing takes him by surprise. Because everything is decreed by him. Psalm 147 verse 5, it says, Great is our Lord. And of great power. His understanding is infinite. In Romans 11. 33 to 36. Those last verses we read. Oh the depth of the riches. Both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable. Are his judgment and his way. Is past finding out. Job was brought to that place. And he said. Lord I know you know the way that I take We're not only brought face to face here with the omniscience of God. We have to consider that omniscience is linked to the omnipotence of God. God's all powerful. They're all codependent. All the attributes of God are codependent. God is in control of a world that looks out of control. And like Job, I find that truth very comforting and very consoling. And personally, I want you to understand again today, whatever trial that you're going through, God knows the way that you're traveling and where he wants to bring you to. And there are things that are hidden from your sight and my sight, and we don't understand, Lord, why have you brought us to this juncture? But he comes to encourage you today. And he comes to encourage you to keep pressing on in the pathway. His... uh, Omniscience and his omnipotence also reminds us of his omnipresence. He's everywhere at once, all at the one time. As the eternal spirit, his great immensity fills all time and all space. God's not only present in all places, but God is fully present in every place. The psalmist said in Psalm 139. Verse 7, Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning, and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. It doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter where you are. The right hand of God's going to hold you. God knows your position, and he knows your need in your position. He knew where Job was, and even though Job confessed to not being able to see him, Job knew he was in control, because he knoweth the way that I take. Whilst that's consolation to the Christian, should it not be disconcerting to those that are in the meeting still unconverted? God's knowledge of you is of the most intimate and personal level. And your rejection of his son and of his mercy is ever before the face of God. And he looks into this little meeting today here and on alone, and he sees the Lord's people struggling, battling, but pressing on. But he also sees those that are still outside of Christ without a saviour and still rejecting him. Well he says is it not time today that you realised I know where you are and your heartbeat is in my control even as you sit in the seat. We search for answers. Many have come to the book of Job thinking they're going to get answers to all the the trying circumstances that they've gone through on the journey of life but here's the only answer I can see and we can rest assured on it God knows where I am and God knows where he's bringing me to because God's in control of it all he knows the way I love the Heidelberg Catechism I would commend it to you Just even, just to read through it devotionally. Question 27. It asks, what do you understand by the providence of God? And it gives this beautiful answer. The almighty and ever-present power of God by which God upholds as with his hand heaven and earth and all creatures and so rules them that that leaf and blade, rain and drought, fruitful and lean years, food and drink, health and sickness, prosperity and poverty, all things in fact, come to us not by chance, but by his fatherly hand. Job was brought to that place. Lord, I can't find you, but I know you know where I am, because you brought me here. Someone said God is too wise to err. And he's too good to cause his child a needless tear. Wherever you are today on the journey. He knoweth the way that you take. But finally. Consider with me the confidence then of a trusting heart. do believed believe that God had a special plan. And a pathway designed for him. It's amazing to think that almighty omnipotent God he has a personal plan for you and me. And he could face the trial because he believed God was doing the trying. His pathway was dark, but it was God who was testing him. And I I think it's wonderful here that Job did not ask to be removed from his trying circumstances. He didn't say, Lord, bring back all my my flocks and, and servants and family. And he didn't, Pray anything like that. But he realized that God had a limit on this period that he was going through. God tests his elect. God tests you and me. Will you get to heaven without being tested? No. Psalm 66 and 10. The psalmist said, But thou, O God, hast proved us. Thou hast tried us as silver is tried. We read of Abraham in Hebrews eleven seventeen by faith Abraham when he was tried, offered up his son Isaac. We read in one Peter one and seven about the trial of your faith being more precious than of gold that perisheth. You will be tried, and whatever secondary causes may be going on in your life at present, and in my life at present. God is them all under control. I want you to know that. Verse 13 and 14. These are verses. That I I have long struggled with. He says. But he is of one mind. And who can turn him. And what a soul desireth. Even that he doeth. He performeth the thing that is appointed for me. And many such things are with him. I want you to read into that your own circumstances. He performeth that which is appointed for me. God ordains our trials. But he sanctifies them to us. You'll know I'm not a great fan of modern hymn writers. There's one American, and and I do like his singing, Ron Hamilton. He lost tonight to cancer, and he wrote a very well known piece. God never Moves without purpose. When trying his servant and moulding a man, give thanks to the Lord, though your testing seems long in darkness. He giveth a soul. Rejoice in the Lord. He makes no mistakes. He knoweth the end of each path that I take. For when I am tried and purified. I shall come forth as gold. And his plan he tests. But his promise is in the testing. That we will come forth. As gold. In the testing and trying, Job discovered something. He discovered a great treasure. And sometimes God has to put us on our back before we realize what a great treasure this is. In verse 12, he said, Neither have I gone back from the commandments of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Not remarkable. And all the testing. The word of God became more essential to Job <clears throat> even than his necessary food. He had all of these friends and all of the advice that the friends gave to him. But what was more important to Job was the word of God. Well, it was a healing balm. And I want to reassure you today if you feel deserted, isolated, alone. If you're going through trying circumstances. <clears throat> perhaps sickness, perhaps financially, perhaps in the family. It's the treasure of God's word that will keep you going. Don't allow your confidence to waver. Dig deep in the word of God. And then the one whom you felt to be distant to you comes very close and near to you. In the testing Job saw triumph. I love that shout of victory that he gives here in this uh, portion of God's word. I shall come forth as gold. He knew that the testing was going to remove the dross. There were truths about God. There were truths about Job that he had to learn in the furnace of affliction. And his education was not yet complete in chapter 23. But Job was proving himself <coughs> a very capable student in the school of God. I shall come forth as gold. Isn't that wonderful analogy? The Christian and gold. You're like gold. The child of God is like gold dust. A rare commodity indeed. But gold that's usually found mixed with the earth and all the dross off earth. has to be purified. And we read from Job 23 and 10. That the Christian does survive the fire. The Christian does survive the testing. And ultimately they are made perfectly pure. And one day, brethren and sisters, the purging will be over. One day the testing will be over. And one day we're going to be translated to the regions of glory above. And what a day that's going to be. Job kept trusting. We've a long way to go to chapter 42. But halfway through it he was confident God's going to see me through I will come forth as gold. And what a prospect lay ahead of him. He was being tried. He would be further tested. But he would triumph. Because he came forth as gold. And that's how God wants you to view where you are today. Tested? Yes. But under his control. Triumphing? Yes. Through his word, by his grace. And one day, God will bring us forth as gold. May the Lord take this little verse, Job 23 and 10. Write it on your heart and life and enable you, as Job of old and as all of his saints of old, to trust God in testing time.